Hello and welcome to the 94 Feet Report. I am your host, as always, Eric Spropolis, and you can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Once again, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Fan Essentials. If you want to look into getting your favorites, your favorite team's gear shipped to your door each month, you've got to check out Fan Essentials. You can use promo code 94feet at checkout for 30% off your next purchase of Fan Essentials. They've got sweet gear delivered straight to your door every month. You can also find our previous episodes on the site, on Blog Talk Radio, or on iTunes. Just search the 94 Feet Report. You can find all of our episodes back there. And then today's episode, we'll be talking fantasy basketball with a fantasy basketball expert, Josh Lloyd of Basketball Monster and the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast that you really have to check out. Uh, so I'll get Josh on right now. We can talk some fantasy basketball for you. Josh is joining us today. Josh, how are you? Good, Eric. How are you going? Doing well myself. Um, all right. We can start off with, um, you know, free agency is pretty much come and gone. You know, teams' rosters are pretty much set at this point. Not too many notable free agencies, free agents left on the market. You recently did a podcast about some fantasy winners and losers based off free agency. You know, players that have changed teams and have a bigger role, maybe a smaller role, and how that will affect their fantasy. get to bump um, with the absence of Bismarck Biombo. Um, just because there's no there's no real set back up there. You know, you got Beben Aguera, Yaka Pirtle, but neither of those guys are gonna be able to take on a twenty minute role or near twenty four minute role that Biombo was doing. And we saw how much our Valentunas was reduced to the twenty six minutes a game last year. So he gets a couple of extra minutes and he jumps two, three rounds there. So that's not him moving teams, but that's the result of free agency. He gets a bit of a bump forward in uh, in what he can do next season. So I think he's he's one that's that's set for a pretty pretty decent increase um in a similar vein Goran Dragic in Miami he didn't move teams but we know Lowell Dean Joe Johnson Dwayne Wade we don't know what happens happening with Chris Bosch Dragic is in a situation where he can go back to maybe not being an all-NBA third-teamer that he was in Phoenix but that sort of level of production he's going to have the ball in his hand he suffered a lot when Wade had the ball last year and in games where Wade sat out he was a lot better and we could be seeing a, a big a big step forward or a sort of a re-step forward from, uh, from Dragic for next season. Yeah I think I really like uh, Dragic's potential for this season I mean he is 30 years old um but he, I, I don't think he'll lose too much of that athleticism uh, at this age. But, I mean, potentially down the road, there could be some problems. Um, in terms of some winners I had, um, I like Harrison Barnes. Um, he signed a max contract in Dallas. Um, if you're in a real salary league like we are, but most people aren't, um, his salary becomes an issue depending on your team. But for the people drafting in one-year leagues without salary consideration, Harrison Barnes should see a pretty significant jump in usage in Dallas. Um, Chandler Parsons is gone. He's still got Dirk there, but he's near the end of his career. Um, and he, you know, Andrew Bogut's there, but he's not going to use that much. So I think Harrison Barnes could see a big increase, um, kind of a, a less lesser known kind of increase to me is Jeremy Lin going to Brooklyn. Um, he's, he's in for a massive season. Yeah. I really think he's going to have a great season. Um, because, you know, he's the guy in Brooklyn uh, besides Brooke Lopez, and that would be a pretty good pick-and-roll combo right there. Um, another guy I have uh, just happens to be a Rockets player, um, but I think Clint Capella, uh, if you're punting free throws, could be a big uh, – he's in for a big increase this year. They did bring in Nene, and, and, but Nene is going to be there for like that 15 to 20 minutes role, hopefully. Uh, that's what I would use in the day for, but I think Capella could be a big increase if you're punting free throw percentage. Um, what do you think about his 
outlook for his this season. Yeah, absolutely. He's got like a, a double-double average, I reckon, coming. He should be a guy that blocks two shots, big field goal percentage. Nene's not going to start over him. Janana Onwaku's not going to start over him. Janata's you know, Matsuyunas... We don't know if he's actually even coming back to the team. So Capella's going to be the starting centre. He's going to get a fair chance to you know, play big minutes and in an up-tempo and D'Antoni offence. Maybe he even gets you know, he's scoring up a little bit as well, putbacks, that sort of stuff. I think he's in for a, a pretty big season. But the free throws are a concern. He's you know, a, a guy that's you know, a sub-40% free throw shooter on a decent amount of attempts, and that's uh, it can be really troubling. Yeah, you really have to punt free throw percentage, and uh, you know even with the rule, the rule change with the you know the, the two minutes at each quarter where you can't uh, kind of intentionally foul poor free throw shooting players, he's still. I mean, he's going to get more minutes, and which most likely means more foul attempts, and at that percentage, it's you. It's really going to hurt you unless you're punting free throws. Um, yeah. In terms of some losers, who do you really see as kind of significant losers uh, from a fantasy's perspective because of free agency? There's, there's been quite a few of these guys, I think, that, that have lost out. Um, Jimmy Butler, I think, loses out because of the addition of Dwayne Wade and Rajon Rondo. Yeah, Butler, over the last two months of last season, averaged six assists per game. There is zero chance of him being able to do that with Rondo and Wade both there. Um, I think Rondo and Wade both... Well, Wade maybe doesn't lose value. I think Rondo loses some value because despite him having the ball in his hands a lot, he's not going to be had the same level of ball in his hands that he was in Sacramento, so there'll be more sharing, because that reduces what he can do, reduces what Butler can do as well in Chicago, and the addition of Wade, who's a guy that's a, a five-assist uh, game shooting guard as well. I think all of those guys sort of impact each other. Obviously, Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors has an impact, especially, I think, on Clay Thompson. So Thompson is a guy that I think will uh, will suffer somewhat of a tumble, maybe a Chris Bosh, a Kevin Love type of tumble, where they... They become yeah, third third option, go from second guy or first guy in, uh, in Love and Bosch's option down to the, the third guy, potentially fourth guy at times, although you know, Thompson's more the, the third guy over Draymond on offense. So I think Thompson is, uh, is going to be a guy that, that suffers a bit there. Um, and Nick Vucevic in Orlando with the addition of Biombo, who we mentioned earlier. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they did in the offseason. I don't know what they're going to do moving forward. But Vucevic is definitely in danger of losing his starting job. And if he doesn't lose his starting job, in losing minutes to get Biombo uh, in there and even play Sergio Barker summit centre. So I think he, he's uh, he's copped it pretty hard in the, uh, in the free agency situation. Jeff Teague wasn't a free agent, but I think the, the trade of him going to Indiana, that hurts what he can do. Point guards in Indiana, they, they're not point guards. They play second fiddle to Paul George. Plus, when you've got Monte Ellis there as well. We saw when George Hill in 2014-15, when he didn't have Paul George, he was crazy. He was like a top 40 player. Goes back the next season, he was outside the top 100. Ellis handles the ball. Paul George gets all the shots, gets all the ball handling. So Teague's going to be reduced in what he can do. So people expecting a repeat of what he's done the last couple of seasons, I think will be disappointed. Yeah, that, that Orlando offseason still confuses me. And we know Frank Vogel loves his kind of defensive-minded lineups, so yep. I, it wouldn't be surprising to him to find a way to either limit Vucevic's minutes, possibly even look to trade him to get Biombo playing, especially at that contract. Um, I also have, uh, I think Evan Turner going to Portland hurts not only his value, but also the value... I mean, this is kind of minor, but, I mean, Alan Crabb, people were really talking about him as an under-the-radar free agent, um, you know, Crab was signed back at, at a big contract. So was Turner. Even Mo Harkless was brought back at, at I think ten million dollars a year. I think kind of those Blazers wings kind of get a, a hit uh, in their value because it was just 
you know, there's so many guys for just, you know, very few minutes. Um, also, I think Paul Gasol could be in for a slight uh, downtick. Um, going to San Antonio, I think he'll have fewer minutes with Popovich trying to rest him. Um, possibly fewer shots in that system with LaMarcus Aldridge in the front court and Kawhi. Um, you know, you never know with the Spurs what their fantasy value is going to be, especially for Paul Gasol, who, yes, he had a, he's had pretty good seasons in Chicago, but he is now, I think, 36. So I think he could also take a hit. And, of course, I think, you know, all those Warriors will have to fa- sacrifice something, even though Clay says he's not sacrificing shit, apparently. But, uh, yeah, he, he's going he's gonna to realize that he is sacrificing stuff pretty soon. Yeah, he's just talking the talk right now for some reason. But um, in order, I think even if, you know, if they go in that with that mindset that they're not going to sacrifice anything and they, you know, somehow struggle out of the gates, um, they'll quickly realize, or, you know, probably Clay and Draymond will realize, you know, we have to take a step back for Curry and Durant. So I think that uh, Clay's value probably takes the biggest hit. Um, which is interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see what people draft in this year um, in terms of average draft position. Uh, so, yeah, those are most of the losers I have. You touched on a, a couple that I had as well. Um, I thought we could move on now to discussing Dynasty Leagues. I think that um, maybe just me, but I think Dynasty Leagues are kind of growing. And, you know, I think a lot more people are intrigued by them. Uh, they're more in-depth. It's kind of a, a completely different way in drafting your roster compared compared to one-year leagues. Um so in terms of dynasty leagues in general, uh, before we talk about the real salary league that, that we're both in, uh, what is your what is your mindset when drafting in a dynasty league compared to just a one year league? You know, how do you you know balance the future but also the present and balancing veterans and, and rookies and stuff like that? What is your mindset in in dynasty drafts? Um, my mindset is that the people that you are generally competing against overvalue rookies so it doesn't it doesn't change a massive amount for me look i probably look more to a two-year window and look at who what guys are going to have yeah production over the next two years if a guy is likely to retire or really drop off after one year then i'll count him out but i'm definitely not reaching heavily for rookies um we just don't know what's going to happen you've got no idea yeah thomas robinson was the fifth pick in the draft and you could have gone into a dynasty league in that year go yep i'm just i'm grabbing these guys and gone early and they turn into nothing you don't know. Yeah, Rudy Gobert was picked 27. You, you, you don't know a lot of this stuff, that how these players are going to turn out. The majority of NBA draft picks are 60 picks each year. The majority of them do nothing throughout their career. I'd rather grab a, a bunch of guys who I know are going to give me solid production, you know, try and go for the win in the first couple of seasons, retool after that if necessary. But you can often find you know, value in bargains of, of older players who – even if they're, say, 30, 31, 32, they're going to have at least two, three seasons of consistent-ish production and get them at a, at a real discount and load up those guys and put together a really strong team and win the league or potentially win the league the first couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really interesting to, you know, I mean, in our Real Salary League, which we can start talking about a little bit, um, just for people who don't know, Real Salary, obviously, you know, we take into consideration the player's real salary. We have the real NBA salary cap at, 94 million uh got to have a a minimum of 13 players in your roster and you have to be under the cap uh it adds a whole nother element to a dynasty league um so you know looking at i mean just kind of quickly glance over your team uh, at least your first couple of picks in our real salary league you know vic doladeep on the first round i think was great i think you were pick 27 something pretty late yeah so uh i think old is gonna have a really good year um then, you know, Chris Middleton and Jonas Valanciunas, um, and then your other players, you know, Norman Powell, Terrence Jones, you know, Wesley Johnson, Cole Aldridge. Um, what was your mindset when drafting this team? Because, 
I mean, at a quick glance, it's it's very, it's pretty young. I mean, there's no one over 30, I believe. Cole Aldridge is 29, I'm pretty sure. So what was your mindset when drafting this team? Well, because it's a, a, a league that's taking into account real salaries, I'm looking for some value-type plays. Um, Oladipo next season is going to cost me a lot, so he might not be on my team next season. I might have to make some adjustments. But I, I wanted to get guys, and I, and I went early on certain guys because they were on cheap contracts. Norman Powell I picked in inside the top 100 because he's on a salary of like a million dollars. I think it's less than a million dollars. And that enabled me to grab some other guys. You know, Valanciunas is locked in for four years at, at below market rates. Wes Johnson's at five million. Coleridge is at seven million. These are all cheap contracts. Terrence Jones is at 900,000. So I went trying to find some some cheap contracts. I've got um, how many spots? I've got five roster spots left to fill, and I've still got 40 million in cap space, so I can go eight million per player basically. And there's still a few guys that, that are around on the uh, on the draft list that yeah, have been sort of left behind because of because of salary concerns. So I went I went with guys who I think are going to be able to produce this season. I think all of the guys I've got they've all got a role this year and they've all got solidish roles but they've all also got a chance to really step forward like Power can become a lot better Satoransky can become a lot better you know, Aldrich you mentioned his age I think he's still going to have a really good season Terence Jones can have a real bounce back as well um, so there is there's growth for a lot of my guys yeah I think it's a good balance I mean you have a really young roster but guys that are I mean in terms of Old Depot Milton Valanciunas you know they, they can have pretty good years and you know you can hope if Terence Jones you know, revitalizes his career in New Orleans uh, after that frustrating tenure in Houston. Um, I mean, you got to steal right there, Norman Powell, exactly. Um, yeah, with, when you were touching about Oladipo costing you a lot, I mean, I mean, my first three picks were James Harden after I traded up in the first round to get him at pick five. I thought, you know, he was staring at me at pick five. I think he's going to be the number one fantasy player this year. Um, and then my next pick was Gordon Hayward, I think, at pick 45. And, and next pick was a Greg Monroe, I'm pretty sure, and, and Monroe and, and Hayward are both in contract years, so uh, you know I'm pretty sure one of them will, po- will definitely not be on my team next year if they're both looking for the max and probably will get it in today's market. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, taking salary into consideration really changes your your drafting style. I mean, you really have to balance these rosters. I'm pretty sure there's a, a team in our league who has eight or nine players and has five million dollars left. Uh, in his cap space or something like that. So it adds a whole level of intrigue, um, not just, you know, regular dynasty with age and et cetera and stuff like that. Um, So, yeah, that was our talk about our real salary league. Now we can talk about, I mean, some sleepers and busts for this season, you know, dynasty, one-year league, whatever league you've got. I mean, who are some players that you think could be sleepers uh, in fantasy this year and why? Well, sleepers and busts are always based upon you know where where the average draft position of these players are. We don't have a huge amount of ADP data currently at the moment, but what we've got is the the leagues on ESPN have been open for maybe a couple of weeks, so I've got a little bit of data coming out of those. And there are definitely players that have come in, and, and yeah, you know, if Clay Thompson's going at pick sixteen, I reckon you're going to be pretty disappointed to, to grab him at that sort of a pick. But there are other guys that that are much much lower in these ADP numbers that. Yeah, it's, it's if you're picking at that spot, it's going to work out pretty nicely for you. So I think yeah, getting Kristaps Porzingis at 46, I think that can be a yeah, that could turn into a huge a huge steal. Um, yeah, he's got top 20 potential. 
So he's a guy that can that can definitely take a step forward. They, you know, Trey Lyles is getting picked at pick 64. To me, that's ludicrous, and I don't know why you'd be picking Trey Lyles at pick 64. That's got the potential to to blow up in your face pretty quickly. I talked about Balanchunas already. I think he's going to be a bit of an under-the-radar under player this year. I think a guy that you probably want to be careful of is Julius Randle in Los Angeles. Um, he's not a great fantasy player. He can't shoot. He can't shoot from the free throw line. He can't hit threes. He rebounds at a really high rate, does nothing else really well. The Lakers just brought in Yi Jianlian as well, who's going to be taking some minutes at the four. Larry Nance has already shown a lot there. I just don't really believe in Randall, and Randall's currently being drafted at 72, and that's, to me, that's his absolute peak number, and I just don't see that being something that's sustainable. You want to talk about some sleepers, though. I think Darren Collison and D'Angelo Russell are two point guards that are going really late, as long, uh, along with uh, Dennis Schroeder as well, guys that you can get around 90 to 100. I think that's tremendous value for those guys. They should all be pushing for the top 50 next season. Um, and I don't, I don't know if you count Nikola Jokic as a sleeper at this point. If you're drafting <laughs> yeah. based on ESPN ranks, then he's a massive sleeper at ADP of 109. He's really, if he played 30-plus minutes, he's a, he's a top 12 player. The problem is we don't know what he's going to do. And in most leagues that are switched on, he's going to go probably in the third round. And that might be too early because we just don't know what's going to happen with a minute. So he's got sleeper and bust potential all wrapped into one play. He's going to be one of the more intriguing players over the preseason and the and the first couple of weeks of the season, especially from a, a fantasy point of view. Yeah, we don't know exactly how many minutes he'll get per night. But yeah, people who listen to your podcast and are, you know, are, are pretty connected on you know fantasy on Twitter really know the love for Jokic. Um, and it's interesting. I think he went pick 10 in our Dynasty League, and that was a good pick. Um, yeah, because he's, he's on a million-dollar contract for the next three years. It's ridiculous. Like, oh, I had pick eight, and I was going to pick him at pick eight. I picked Anthony Davis instead, but Jokic was the other guy that I was debating at that spot just because to lock in a guy that's a top 10. And, you know, in hindsight, I'm probably regretting it a bit, to be honest. It would have cost me this year, but I could have locked him in for three years at a million dollars and then built up my team with some other big salary guys. It would have been tremendous. Yeah, exactly. In our real salary league, I'm pretty sure that, I mean, last time I looked at the draft board, you know, guys like Luol Deng are still on the board because he signed that four-year $72 million deal, and, you know, a lot of people can't really fit $18 million into their cap room right now. Um, Alan Crabb is still on the board at, I think, uh, it's also $18 million. Um, guys like Aaron Aflalo at $12.5 million, Jared Dudley at $10 million. Um, those guys with their salaries, it's kind of hard to fit them in, but, you know, Getting Jokic at $1 million for the next three years allows you to fit in those role players who we all know are overpaid, but you can justify it with your if your top picks are, are cheap salary. Um, just a, another sleeper I had, um, you know, a lot of people overdrafted, I think, Danny Green last year, and he had a disappointing season, to say the least, but that might be, um, I think, is, having, is letting people kind of underdraft him potentially um, this year, thinking, oh, he had such a bad season last year, you know, you know I can't you know, justify taking him at this spot again. But but I think that, you know, it's one season. You know, most players, most role players have, you know, a bad season. And he could bounce back just like that and return to his, his value from two seasons ago, which is pretty good. So I think Danny Green could be um, another sleeper as well. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Um, so we just talked sleepers and busts. The last thing we should talk about, I think, are, you know, when you get to the later rounds of drafts, um, especially in kind of a one-year draft, you're kind of looking for players that, you know, can have the highest ceiling. Um, so guys that could have, you know, unique, like a good amount of playing time, depending on, you know, the people above them in the depth chart having injury risks or just having a lot of playing time being in a, in a bad team. Um, so, you know, some 
kind of unknown fringe players that I have that could be good for later round picks. Uh, I think James Ennis um, is behind Chandler Parsons in Memphis. Um, I think Parsons, we've seen him get hurt the past few years. You know, maybe he get maybe he's healthy the whole year, plays 80 games, and, you know, Ennis maybe gets 15 minutes a game and, and flames out. But there is that potential last year in uh, New Orleans in the final, I think, 10 or 11 games of the year. He put up some really good stats. Uh, if Parsons goes down, he could be slotted to start at small forward. Um, another guy I have is Dwayne Dedman in San Antonio, uh, the backup center. I think that uh, Popovich will find a way to use him as pretty much like the one and only rim protector on that team. So I think he could be in for some good minutes for a late-round pick that most people do not know um, about Dedman or Ennis. Um, who are some guys you have as kind of late-round, kind of more unknown players that have the most potential? I like both. I like both of those options that you gave us there. I think TJ Warren in Phoenix is a guy to look at. We don't know what Phoenix is going to do, whether they are going to start Knight, Booker and Bledsoe together, whether they go with PJ Tucker at the three. But TJ Warren showed last year a real aptitude to improve. He started hitting threes at a, at a much better rate. He got his steal rate right up. He's already always been a, a great scorer and a high efficiency scorer, like a 50% shooter as a wing who scores a lot. He got his steals right up. He got his... His assists, yeah, probably not that great, but he got his three-pointers up. I think he shot 40% from three. If he gets those minutes, he's going to be a guy that scores at high efficiency, adds some steals, adds a couple of threes in there as well. I think that he can be a late-round guy with a little bit of upside attached to him um, as well because we just we don't know what they're going to do. And Gary Harris is a guy, I'm, I'm not sure how many people know about Gary Harris, but he's really good. He's going to be available in those late rounds, and he should be a top 100 guy, so he's a guy I'm really into. And Marcus Smart, I think, is going to take up a lot of the slack of Evan Turner's minutes, and I think Smart is prime for a really big season. Yeah, I like all those players. It's just that when you're drafting the later rounds, you're looking for guys who are going to have a good amount of playing time, maybe um, players above them left in free agency, um, just guys who are who probably have the highest ceiling in those later round picks. Um, so those are a couple that you guys should be looking out for if you get them in the later rounds. All right, Josh, uh, before I let you go, I want to let you, I wanted to ask you if, uh, do you have Australia and USA in the gold medal game at the Olympics? Um, it's looking that way at the moment. We, uh, we just knocked off Lithuania today. Um, the States knocked off, Argentina. Now, I think we play the winner of Croatia and Serbia, which is currently going on at the moment. And then, uh, yeah, I think there's there's a there's a really deep. We've already beaten Serbia in this uh, tournament as well, so there's a there's a there's a huge chance that that's the gold medal game. Yeah, I mean, Australia has quickly developed into kind of like I wouldn't say an underdog kind of team to root for, but um, you know, with Dante Exum, Ben Simmons, and you know Don Maker possibly joining them in 2020. Uh, you know, Della Vadova is 26. And Bogus 30, we, he should be around for 2020. Um, but they look like they could be, you know, the highest competition for the United States, um, not only this year, but at the 2020 Olympics. Uh, are you excited about Australia's basketball future in the Olympics? Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, we've got those guys, you mentioned Simmons and Exum, to come into the team. So Isaac Humphreys as well, that's currently playing at Kentucky, another young guy that can come into that, that squad as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a thon maker as well. Pretty, pretty exciting stuff for Australian basketball moving forward. Yeah, even though I'm American, I did visit Australia this summer, and I've got to say I'm in the back of my heart and mind. I'm rooting for Australia to win. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Australia and USA hopefully can make the gold medal game and have a good game. All right, Josh, thank you for joining me today. Uh, before you go, I just want to you know, let you throw out your Twitter handle and where everyone can find your work for the upcoming season. 
Yeah, my Twitter is redrock underscore b-ball. You can find my stuff at basketballmonster.com and, of course, on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball podcast. All right, Josh, thank you for joining us. No worries, Eric. Thank you. So that was Josh Lloyd. Um, I thought he had some great stuff, some great fantasy tips on, you know, dynasty, you know, the, the mindset when you're drafting in a dynasty league, some sleepers and busts to look for, and, you know, some late-round picks with good potential. Um, you know, you, you really should be checking out Basketball Monster. It's great for fantasy basketball season. Um, if you're really dedicated to your fantasy basketball league or your daily fantasy on DraftKings or uh, FanDuel, you really got to check out Basketball Monster and check out um, – Josh's show, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, on the Locked On Fantasy Network. This is the 94 Feet Report. I'm your host, as always, Eric Sparopoulos. I just want to remind you, you can find and listen to our past episodes on the site, Blog Talk Radio slash 94 Feet Report, or you can find us on iTunes. Just search the 94 Feet Report, and you'll find all of our episodes, um, including, you know, we did uh, a fantasy basketball episode uh, two weeks ago, and uh, shortly we will be starting our division preview uh, episodes, you know, previewing each division in the NBA. That should start in early September when training camps open. Uh, So, yeah, this was a a fantasy basketball episode with Josh Lloyd. I'm your host, Eric Spiropoulos. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Spiros. Once again, I want to remind you, this show is brought to you by Fan Essentials, and you really have to check out Fan Essentials uh, for all your team's favorite gear shipped to your door each month again you can use promo code the 94 feet report at checkout for 30 percent off your next subscription to fan essentials all right guys thank you for listening we should be back with an episode in the next two weeks um before we start our division previews and hopefully we might be expanding the podcast to a different sports network but i can't reveal anything at this point um so thank you very much for listening have a great day Goodbye.